0: Hi,
1: I'm Patricia Grubarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer. And welcome to the Worker Being Podcast.
0: So today, Katina, you're going to share an article with us, right? I am going to share an article
1: with you. What's and it, it is about whether or not having an emotionally demanding job matters more when you're older or younger or how it matters as you get older. So they have a few ideas about Maybe, like, you get better at learning how to manage emotional demands and you actually, like, benefit from having them when you're older. Or maybe it compounds over time and things get worse. Or maybe it's something else, which is a third option. So they have some ideas, but basically it's about you could be at the same job but a different age and it could impact you differently depending upon how old you are um, if you're in an emotionally demanding job.
0: Interesting. Well, I can't wait to hear... What they find and why we think they find what they find.
1: Yes. So, yeah. If you're in an emotionally demanding job, listen up. That's like customer service, caring professions, uh, anyone who's like in a social, they call it social control job, like a police officer.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Social control. Yes.
1: Yes. I mean, it's an I mean... It's kind of a weird who knows? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> way of calling it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a Got very it. like fancy Yeah, law exactly. enforcement yes. or something like that. Yes. So those are people who should, their ears should perk up particularly at this article.
0: Okay. Well, before we get into that, tell me how you're doing. I'm good. Um,
1: everything here is like pretty much the same as usual. Um, still, hanging around inside not doing too much I know you and I both have had a couple very busy weeks and have a couple more busy weeks upcoming and um so I feel like we're just trying to like get through them as best we can and then I don't know like part like early March I'm gonna like do a little celebration of happiness for getting through this like very (laughs) heavy overwork time and you should probably too
0: yeah, I think this actually will air hopefully at a time where we feel a little bit calmer. <laughs> yes. If you're um, listening fingers to this, crossed. I'm
1: feeling more calm. <laughs> Don't we worry for me. We can I'm hope. Doing yeah. Bad. Yes, it's yeah. true. Yeah, well we've been doing um just for everyone who's listening, we've been doing some consulting work um for the past couple weeks which has been in like a bunch of different time zones and so mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of it, we obviously have our, um, you know, regular jobs and that requires us sometimes also to do, uh, meetings or things that are like off schedule after work or whatever. And then we have all our worker being stuff, which usually happens outside work hours. Um, so we are like just doing a lot. And there were a few days there last week where Patricia had to get up at 2 AM to do some <laughs> trainings, actually like one thirty, basically. Yeah.
0: It was Um, rough. That was rough. I had like a three hour nap and then I woke up to do the trainings and then I had like another three hour nap and then had to get back up to do more work and trainings. So it was, yeah, it was a lot. I feel like I sort of recovered and then messed myself up again because last night I stayed up too late. So there's that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I, I know I've been all off with my sleep as well. I, um, you know, I usually stay up pretty late um, regularly and on the weekend I usually stay up pretty late and uh, I think just because the sleep not sleeping had like caught up to me on um, Friday uh, my brother and I have been playing phone tag forever and I hadn't been able to get in. Well, he hadn't been able to get in touch with me and whatever. So I was like, oh, on Friday night, like, we'll, we'll just like get on a Zoom and talk. And by like 1130, I was like, goodbye. I must go. Like I was just <laughs> like, I can't, I like literally can't like be alive anymore. So, and like 1130 on a Friday for me is very early. Yeah. So it is very early for you. Yeah. I was like, fairly well, like I must leave the zoom now. And then like literally within like 30 seconds, I was asleep. Like I was <laughs> done. So I know that my sleep last week was like messed up. At least this week, we don't have any crazy early because late. Because we have some late ones, but like late doesn't bother me. At least I I'm usually up later. But like get you know being signed onto the computer at four thirty a.m. and for you one thirty a.m. It's like a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. Um, and it was it was a lot too because like I I actually am the opposite of you. Like I start working really early, so yeah. I tend to go to bed earlier. Um, not that early, but like, you know, 11, or so, which I know is like, you're still like starting your day at that time. Right. <laughs> but, right. Um, obviously different time zones. So that kind of helps us out. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, but because I start my day early and like we had another training at 7 a.m. Pacific. So it was like, we ended at four Yeah. and then I had to be up and ready for the next one at seven. So I had like two hours to like yes. try to squeeze in a little bit of sleep. Uh, so yeah, I was so messed up because of it. So messed yes. up. Um, Sleep is so important. Yeah, we had no really choice, is. though.
1: Like, there really wasn't much that we could do last week. I mean, it was just, it was no. what it was. Yeah. Um, we tried our best, but, you know, sometimes it's going to be like that. And I did say to Brendan, well, you know, in a past existence, pre-COVID, we, I would have been, like, probably, like, up at 3 to go to the airport at four to get on a plane at six so we could land and do a training at nine, you know, like so I'm like yeah. at least at the very least it's like in our house. Right. Like that's a little bit better.
0: <laughs> yeah, that does make it a little bit easier. And I think also like we did a decent job of trying to space out the training. So I think yeah. the way we have spaced it out, it's like, yes, last week was the worst week. Then we have yeah. a few more this week. Um, and those are gonna be fine because they're more spread out. There's not as many of them and then we have like our last last one next week. So it's kind of, yeah. We had like a rough week, but I think that in yeah. the end, the approach was generally good that we didn't have all of them at once because at one point we we're going to have everything simultaneously for two weeks yeah. and that would have been two <laughs> weeks of death basically yeah
1: that would have been really funny I know like I it's I hope that none of my students are listening to this but I delivered a, like a two and a half hour lecture on one of the days that we did it and like I don't really remember doing that like I I was looking at it today and I was like did I already teach this it's like I think I did and then I like looked back and I was like, yeah, I did teach this. Mm. I don't really like even, I, I know I did, but like, I just don't even really remember having done that. And I was like, that's probably not not great. great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I haven't announced this to the listeners, but like, I'm actually gonna be sit- switching my full-time job
1: yes. and
0: I gave my notice Like, well, I started telling everybody last week. I gave my notice the week before, but I started telling everybody last week. um, I start next week for my new gig. But anyways, yeah, so yay, that's exciting. But the week that I'm telling everybody that I'm leaving is the same week that I'm not getting any sleep. And, like, I love my team. I'm not, like, leaving because I don't like people or it's a bad situation or something. Like, I absolutely love where I work. Um, It's purely, like, a developmental opportunity reason. And anyway, so I have to tell people that I really care about that I'm leaving and I'm tired so you can imagine how much crying I did like you know me I was like crying all of last week it's like the entire week was just crying crying cry. oh my gosh it was so bad
1: that's okay I also um uh I've been editing this paper that's due on Sunday and I had a meeting about it and like this is how it always works like you have to write and rewrite stuff it always happens but, like, I learned that I had to rewrite a section, which honestly didn't take me that long to rewrite in the long run. And, like, it turned out fine and whatever. But, like, I got off the call and I just cried. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but that would never happen to me before. I would never do that. But I was like, I just need to sleep. And it was that, that was, like, the same day that I taught the lecture. I don't remember. I feel like I was just, like, in some sort of, like, a maelstrom. So, like, I don't, you know, it really, I think we were just, like, probably, probably not right yeah.
0: yeah yeah i mean i tend to be emotional anyways like i'm sure i would have cried anyways yeah, yeah but i yeah. think the amount of crying like yeah. the frequency of it and even in situations where like it didn't even call for it like it wasn't like somebody was saying something sweet or like meaningful it was like totally a normal situation that i'd be like tearing up and oh it was ridiculous <laughs> it was ridiculous so then it like added though like i mean as we're gonna be talking about right emotional Emotional labor, doing anything emotional can be really exhausting. And so, like, I was already tired, and then I was crying and getting emotional, and that just made me more tired. And it was just like the cycle of being tired. Yes, true.
1: No, and I mean, it is always going to be emotional when you like leave a team. And uh, like you said, you really like where you're going, or you really like where you are. You're going because it's a um, developmental opportunity, but it is very exciting. You have exciting things on the horizon.
0: Yes, exciting stuff. It should be good. But anyways, enough about our lack of sleep and us not following our own... guidance around (laughs) we've been been sleep deprived and now we can't stop
1: talking about being sleep deprived it's like a secondary symptom of being sleep deprived
0: (laughs) pretty much pretty much so don't do what we did try to get more sleep if you can um and then tell us katina what happens with these kinds of jobs emotionally draining and yes exhausting jobs
1: i will okay so this article is called experience vulnerability or overload emotional job demands as moderators in trajectories of emotional well-being and job satisfaction across the working lifespan
0: (laughs) oh my god (laughs) it's so long (laughs)
1: it really is um and it is by susan ray cornelia wyke and suzanne Shebe, and it is in the journal of applied psychology and it just came out in 2021 um. Yes. So basically what they're interested in, in this particular article, is really a big, big data set that takes a look at over people's lifespans, what is the impact of emotional jobs? And they start off by kind of saying that the emotions literature is a little bit torn, that sometimes having emotionally demanding jobs can have positive impacts on people because they feel connected to others and because they have the opportunity to form really close relationships. So like you can think about like a caretaking job has both opportunities to be uh, demanding, but also provides some opportunities to really, you know get to know people on a deeper level. Um, and can help you to, you know, connect with yourself and connect with others and feel like you have a strong support system and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there are some, some instances where, you know, you might find that you have stronger relationships and more, uh, you know, emotional closeness with people in emotionally demanding jobs. And then there are other aspects of emotionally demanding jobs that are, you know, more likely to lead to burnout, like having to fake your emotions or having to deal with, you know, really 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 uh like negative emotional circumstances that cause you to feel like sad or to feel grief or things like that so basically the front end of this paper goes through the research on emotions in organizations and says you know there's some reason to think that on the whole emotion jobs should as time goes on have positive impacts on you like maybe you know over time, some of the negativity goes away and the net over the course of your life being in these kinds of jobs is positive. Or maybe the story really is that being in these jobs over time is a bad thing and it can actually deplete your resources um, and make you more vulnerable to negative job attitudes.
0: So, I mean, I can see the argument for both and it makes sense that I wonder like the thing that initially would come to me is are you getting better at this stuff as you get older right so assuming assuming that you're in this for the long haul these types of careers that do you get better but I guess we'll find out based on what they find here right well you are really
1: foreshadowing so they have three hypotheses that they go into this data set with and um, it's based on this idea Uh, This savvy model um, which is this model of strengths and vulnerabilities integration and this is a lifespan development model and basically what it says is that as you approach important important points in your life and in this instance they're looking at aging so they're thinking about like the end of your working life um, that it has impacts on your well-being Um, so There's some evidence to suggest that people's emotional well-being goes up when they get older uh, because they do more things to take care of their emotional lives. Um, So your life experience can serve as an important resource in regulating your emotions. So just like you're saying, you have more experience with being able to understand and uh, manage your emotions in a way that's healthy for you. And so you're better able to potentially divert yourself away from negative things and, You tend to also view unpleasant situations more positively as you get older. So um, get like kind of like don't sweat the small stuff type thing. Like people who are older tend to be able to view more positivity in unpleasant situations and spend less time worrying about unpleasant situations. Um, Yeah. But on the flip side, you also become more physiologically vulnerable. Yeah. And so you might become more physically ill or you might um, have a harder time, um, you know, with various um, physiological, like, just the reality of aging. Um, And so that kind of counteracts some of those things where like even if you've learned to manage things well you might be dealing with more serious sorts of things that you've never encountered before like your own personal health issues um and you also might be um dealing with uh taking longer to recover from stressors that do get to you because you're just not physiologically in the same state of like arousal anymore um so this model basically taken together says that There are some positive impacts of getting older on well-being and some negative impacts of getting older on well-being. And some of that has to do with the amount of emotions that you're experiencing and your ability to manage those emotions. And so they're sort of taking that theory and applying it to the workplace. Like I – may be able to apply that same theory of kind of what happens to us in life, also in work, that over time, on one hand, I might get better at managing these emotions, but on the other hand, I might be dealing with more emotional things, like maybe I'm coming up like you were talking about, crying, leaving your team, like maybe coming up on the end of my work life causes me to face different emotional challenges that I haven't faced before, and I don't know how to cope with those emotions around retirement or things of that nature. Um, So they're sort of taking that approach and applying it to, emotions that you experience in the workplace and saying okay how is this affecting people's well-being over time
0: that's interesting I mean I could see like you said like this basically just shows there could be two things that could happen it could go either way where people can mm-hmm. do better or worse um oh man I'm just thinking through like I mean <laughs> obviously everyone's aging all the time right <laughs> um so yes. I just think about like the things I used to be worried about like in my 20s early 20s especially or like in high school and like now what I worry about and that whole like don't sweat the small stuff piece is really yes. interesting because I do yes. see I feel like people said that to you when you're young right they tell you yeah. like this is really not that big of a deal you're gonna be fine and you're just like but it's the end of the world yeah and you get really like <laughs> upset about stuff that doesn't actually matter <laughs> um, and so I feel like I I don't know. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like in the past several years, I know I still do this to some things, but I do think I've gotten better at, like, having that perspective. And I'm assuming that as I get older, I'm going to continue to have that. Um, yeah. But the physical part is really interesting, too, because I do feel like when I look at, you know, my parents, for example, or, you know, other family members or people that I interact with that are um, more senior than I am, like... I do feel like they kind of let a lot of small things go more easily that maybe I wouldn't. Not everything, but some things. Yeah. Um. But then, yeah, but then you hear about them just complaining about like physical things that they haven't encountered before. So it's just funny to, I mean, obviously the data is more important than my anecdotes, but my anecdotes align <laughs> with the data yeah, and the yeah. theory. So it's interesting to think about.
1: Yeah. No, definitely. And I think that that's basically what they're saying is like, you know, some things that would have really bothered you, you realize like, oh, I used to, you know, I worried about that for however long. And now I don't worry about that. I like, and it turned out fine. So that worrying wasn't worthwhile, right? So then when you come against something similar, you're like, okay, I remember last time I was so worried and, you know, and everything turned out okay. So I'm not going to waste time worrying about that again kind of thing. Um, But yet, like if you encounter something new, like, you know, people getting older, getting sick, like other kinds of things in life that you really haven't encountered before that can be a new challenge that you actually don't know how to manage the emotions around. So, um, it's sort of a mixed bag, right? Um, so that they have these three, um, sort of hypotheses of how being in an emotionally demanding job might impact your, um, well-being your emotional well-being and your job satisfaction um and the first is sort of the the positive end of things which is that the more experience that i have in managing this the better i get at it and they actually have a couple of ideas that even being good at a managing at a managing (laughs) emotional managing e-managing um (laughs) at managing emotional demands can make you feel like you've learned something and you're productive and competent so like If you go to work and you see other people getting upset about something that you used to get upset about, but you're not anymore, you might feel like even better being in that job because you realize how far you've come and how much you've learned. Um, You also might have got to a place where you're so competent and expert in dealing with customers that you can spend less time managing those things and more time building interpersonal relationships with the people around you at work. So it might leave you more time to have positive relationships. Whereas before you might've spent a lot more time managing negative relationships. So like if a customer is really angry with you before, maybe that would take you a really long time to figure out how to deal with that. And maybe afterwards you would have to calm down from that for a long time. And so you would, be letting that sort of like taint your whole day and maybe you wouldn't have leftover time to like socialize or befriend other people but now that you've gotten better at it you have more time not just to like avoid the negativity but you also have like you can use that time to create more positive relationships Um so they're basically saying that in this instance they expect that there will be a more positive effect of being in an emotionally demanding job the older you are compared to the younger you are. So the more new you are, the more stressful these things are. And over time, they be- they have a more positive impact on your outcomes. So that's the first kind of hypothesis that they have.
0: OK, so the first theory. But that may not be what actually happens, right? Correct. So they have multiple theories. Yes, and they're going to test all three of these ideas. OK. Um,
1: so the second idea is actually the opposite of that. That being in these jobs is really hard. And that I, you know, may learn how to deal with it, but I always am going to feel some sort of like emotional dissonance, like nobody likes getting yelled at by a customer, even if you're good at dealing with it. So while I may learn how to cope with it, those like tiny strains that build up over time might end up becoming a more serious problem so that it's not that. I'm getting better at it and so it's getting easier and the outcomes are more positive, but rather that over time, even if I am getting better at it, it's still like stressful and I might just be like socking away that stress and it's mounting and mounting and mounting. And, um, you know, as a result, as I'm getting older, it's actually being in this job is actually having more negative implications on me. Um, they also talk about the physical piece of it that um, as you become uh, more physically and biologically declined. That uh, the added stress, so it's kind of like, okay, I'm I I don't feel as great anymore, and now I also have to deal with this like person who's mad about their coffee, and like frankly, like there are bigger things to worry about in life. It could annoy you more and cause you more irritation when people are upset about job related stuff, um, and that could exacerbate the negative feelings that you experience as time goes on. So the second hypothesis is for younger workers it has less of an impact kind of a middle impact for mid-range workers and for older workers it has a stronger negative impact
0: it's interesting that you called out that piece about like it being annoying cuz i think it could like to me my initial gut instinct is like oh well someone's getting mad about coffee like whatever who cares they're just being they're just being unreasonable and move on that could right. be one way you go but the other way is like you're saying it's like why like i can't handle this person f- freaking out about this when there's really no reason to be freaking out about this and that could be a stressor for sure. And I, exactly. like, I can just imagine, like, I'm just even thinking about like in my own career, like obviously dealing with clients all the time, you know, tons and tons of clients in my career so far. And I feel like I've definitely gotten better at letting go of when a customer or client of some sort is upset about something Um, And I know there's nothing I could have done differently. And they're just being a little bit, I don't know, a little bit unreasonable in that Mm -hmm. moment. But, like, while I feel like I can let go and not feel guilty about it, like I did when I was younger, I do feel like it's kind of, I don't know, I do feel more tired when I have to talk to that person again. Like, I almost, like, not, it's not even, like, dread, because, like, I don't dread it, because I'm not, like, I know it's not going to impact like you know my life in a real real way if you will but I do get that moment of just kind of like oh this is going to be so tiring to have to deal with this so I wonder, I don't know basically my anecdotes are not useful at all but no but (laughs) I I understand what you're saying yeah I just kind of I can kind of see it I can see it both ways but I could definitely see the idea of having to deal with this over and over again it's just like now you're just tired of dealing with that same type of problem that same yeah. person for no reason when does it yeah. actually matter they're mad about something that doesn't matter
1: exactly and like and yeah and you have encountered the same problem so many times and you're probably just like I'm sick of this like yes people are mad about whatever I don't want to have to like deal with the same problem again um, so yeah so those are two that they have is like As you get older, if you have a job that's higher in emotional demands, you actually have positive outcomes because you feel good about yourself because you've learned how to deal with it. And um, that makes you feel good and competent and you are able to form other relationships. Or it could be that as I get older, the more emotionally demanding my job is, the worse it is because it compounds over time. Or there's this other one, which is basically like emotional demands don't really matter unless they're high. So it's not like oh, if they're low, it'll be worse. And if they're high, it'll be better for me because I feel good about it. Or if they're low, it'll be better. if they're high, it'll be worse because I feel bad about it. This is kind of saying like maybe it doesn't matter except for in jobs where it's really high. And in those cases, they're expecting that if that's the case, that it would only matter when it's high, that it should probably ha- matter because it's going to have a negative impact. So in this instance, they're basically saying that another option would be hey, you know, it doesn't get better or worse depending upon whether it's low or high. Really, the only thing that matters is that the job is high. That's called the overload effect. And uh, there's no real way of alleviating this. It's just that it's going to compound over time. So it's basically Mm -hmm. like a version of the second one. But just without saying there's a more positive, um, there's like a boost anywhere. So in Mm -hmm. the second one, you get a boost the less your job is uh, emotionally taxing. And this one, there's no boost. It's just either it doesn't matter or it gets worse.
0: Got it. So it makes me think of like, if we think about different jobs. So my example right there, dealing with clients and sometimes you have negative clients or negative situations with the client. And it sucks and it's exhausting, but like overall in my day-to-day life, I'm not dealing with clients in that kind of a way. It's not like there's emotional interactions that frequently with clients so for me it just doesn't matter doesn't matter if I'm young old whatever but if I was working as at a coffee shop and having to smile and greet everybody positively and regardless of what the person is doing can just maintain that like service of the smile then that's where I might feel the negative impact if I'm older
1: exactly exactly um and This one is also basically saying that um, you can tolerate and basically not see an impact of low and medium levels of emotional job demands. But once those demands get higher over time, they're going to start to compound. So there's no, um, like like I was saying, there's no boost for having a low emotional job demands. It's like, you know, it just doesn't really you can tolerate perfectly fine any level you're not going it's not going to be better or worse for you if you mm-hmm. have lower medium demands but really just when you're in a very emotionally demanding job it starts to compound
0: yeah that makes sense so it's almost like There's just, there's just no effect. Not almost like there is just no, like they're saying there shouldn't be, or in this theory, this hypothesis, there's no effect regard if you're in these lower ones, but when you're in a high, high situation, that's when, I mean, it kind of makes sense because you're just constantly dealing with some emotional situations. So if it's constant, 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 then it, I mean, to me, it makes sense that that would be where you see some negativity, some bad things happening, but in other cases, it just doesn't matter. It's a wash.
1: Right exactly so what did they find well
0: done dun done dun.
1: they found that the one that holds up in predicting emotional well-being and job satisfaction over the course of time is the last one the overload model
0: oh okay so yes that's interesting so it doesn't matter in my job (laughs) or your job, but it does matter for those really high-touch emotional jobs.
1: Exactly. So the emotions that we experience in our jobs probably are not going to have any impact on us whatsoever over time. This basically says that um, individuals who, as you get older, if you're in these very emotionally taxing jobs, that... um, Both your likelihood of experiencing positive emotions goes down and your job satisfaction goes down. Uh, And it led to pretty steep decreases in positive emotions over time and job satisfaction over the course of your working lifespan. Interestingly, it didn't have an impact on your experiences of greater negative emotions. So it decreased your positive emotions, but it didn't increase your negative emotions, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. um and they talked a little bit about how that might be because people are actually able to deal with the negative emotions and tamp them down but they're experiencing less active positivity in the workplace yeah um and positive affect is really important for your well-being like if you feel less positively you're less likely to experience um And notice positive things in your environment. So it can have these like spiraling impacts that make your days just like less happy. Um, And obviously, job satisfaction, we talked about before, is really linked to performance. Um, And so, you know, this is an important attitude for predicting how well you do on the job as well.
0: That makes me so sad. So it's like, yeah, it's a little depressing. Yeah. Like, if you've been in this, like in the industry helping people, if you're like a social worker and you're dealing with like, I don't know, some really heavy topic area your entire career by the end your positivity the positive emotions are really low and you're not as happy in your job i mean i guess it kind of fits some stereotypes there in some weird ways right i feel like you think like when you think about like at least in the media the types of things that people put out for these types of Jobs. Yeah, it's yeah. like the the grizzled old person, and then yeah, like a the right, really fresh, right. young, new person that's like, I right. can do it all, right? And then you're like, listen <laughs> to me, yeah. It's not
1: gonna be easy. It's not gonna work this way, yeah. And I mean, I, um, just to give a little bit more of a sense of how they measured the job demands, jobs that were high on emotional demands are people who assist and care for others, perform for, or work with the public deal with external customers, uh, have frequent conflict situations and often deal with angry or unpleasant people. Mm. So if your job was high on those, the higher you were on those, the more negative was the trajectory over time. So you're, it basically weighs on you as you get older such that you get less and less happy and less and less satisfied over time.
0: Ugh. This is so sad. I like I really. Know. I like trying to digest Depressing. like some tidbits. I mean, do they have anything that they share? They shared? do. Okay,
1: of like what to do? You mean? Yeah. Like what? what yeah. can you
0: do to fix this?
1: Yes, they do. Thankfully, I know. I was thinking that when I got to the end, I was like, How do we make it stop? Um, <laughs> so, uh, so basically, they do what we usually say people should do, which is let's look at the root of this problem instead of telling older workers, what they need to do to sort of buffer this. They actually start by saying, what can organizations do to alleviate this? And so they think about, or they talk about how organizations should think about redesigning these type of jobs to allow employees to better cope with the emotions that they're experiencing so that these compounding effects might be mitigated. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: they talk about, um, giving employees time to cope with their emotions, uh, actively and directly teaching employees like healthy emotion um management strategies um they talk about giving people breaks from emotion um work and ensuring that people like if you can do job rotation or task rotation that people have less uh time spent if possible in this emotion work and that they do it less frequently um so like you know, alternating between tasks that are more and less emotionally demanding um, to allow people time to recover. Um, They also mentioned like allowing people job autonomy. So even in a job where you might be in a customer service role, like we think about like the classic case study of like Zappos, let's say, where they give their customer service employees like tons of autonomy and how they like create positive solutions for the customer and things like that. Um, So they talk a lot about how can they better design jobs so that employees can better manage and cope with the emotions they're experiencing and also so they can actually like decrease the amount of emotion work that employees are doing in general.
0: I like that. I like that they're going at it straight from an organizational perspective um, because I think there are things that we can do to make these types of positions more effective for everybody involved. Um, So I I like the idea of redesigning the job and figuring out like how you can give autonomy, how you can structure the role where you're not always a person that's getting the brunt of the negativity or when you have you know, some client facing or customer facing moments versus having some less customer facing moments. So it sounds like they're basically based on what they found. Like we talked about those low and medium emotional job demand jobs are not affected long term. So it's basically just trying to restructure these super high emotional job demand positions into more of those moderate ones
1: exactly yeah so they talk about um yeah how can you kind of take away some of those emotional demands and then they also talk about um how can you counterbalance negative interactions which they're assuming are more draining over time because the research says they are with positive interactions so how can you allow employees to have interaction with their customers that are positive or to allow them to gather feedback from customers that allows them to see like what positive good they did. So is there a way to increase interactions with customers who are actually happy and, uh, you know, want to give them positive feedback? So they talk about can you counterbalance by, you know, providing not just making your employees focus on customers that are mad, but can you also find a way to increase customers who are happy and their communication with the employees? So they talk about like, could there be like a way that, uh, customers can highlight employees easily that, like, made their day better, um, make their, like, service accomplishments more visible for empl- for customers. So kind of counterbalancing the positive and the negative.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and they also just, like, called out organizations straight up and they were like, look, a lot of companies have really bad customer service policies. And... Uh, Or bad, you know, patient care policies or things that don't help you to do a good job. And so a lot of people that are in these jobs don't have any leeway around what kind of solution they can provide. And they know that the solutions that they're providing are not adequate. And so they basically say, like, have two-way dialogues with employees in these jobs to try to actually improve your service and just reduce the number of people who are mad. Like, make yeah. it so that your company is not constantly making people angry, and now people have to bear the brunt of that anger.
0: That's that's a really good point. Like, how about just make sure the product or whatever is good to begin right. with, right? Um, fewer mistakes there and those types of things. Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I, yeah, I think that makes sense. And then I also think... Um, Oh gosh, I lost it. There was something you were saying before that that I had a reaction to, but I can't remember it now. Um, About increasing the pleasant customer interactions or oh recognition yes, recognition programs. Good, thank you. <laughs> um, you're welcome. Yeah, well, okay. you're saying recognition program. That's where I was going to go with it. Is like, is there something leaders can do too that like turns a negative interaction to something positive? It's like you dealt with you know, X number of complaints this week, which must've been really hard. So now you get like a longer lunch break, or now you get like some sort of kudos or prize or whatever, like something from a recognition perspective that can, you know, not only obviously reducing the number of negative interactions, increasing the customers that are able to share their feedback and positive feedback, but can a leader actually take it on themselves to give something positive to the employee that is dealing with, um, the negative interactions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they, they talk about one more way that managers can actually do that too, which is that they talk about how, well, they don't talk about this specifically, but this is what they mean. Um, you know, Alicia Patricia's advisor, mm-hmm. um, did some research about the importance of like, uh, um, behind the scenes, like being able to actually like break with your, uh, positive customer facing face behind closed doors when you're with other employees and they talked about how a lot of organizations and managers discourage um, sort of authentic displays or venting about customer experiences when customers are not around Um, and this actually says that employees should not be discouraged from sharing their experiences with one another that actually um, being able to discuss and talk about emotional demands that they experience could help them to put that negative experience into perspective. It can help them get feedback or get them to build support networks with their colleagues. So basically, they they were saying that, you know, making it so that the customer service reps always have to be happy or anybody, people serving patients, you know, the community, whatever, that you always have to be happy even behind closed doors about your job or that you're not allowed to vent about anything is actually probably exacerbating this issue so they talk about like could you create like a mentoring group or could you create like a you know a weekly like you know all hands meeting where people kind of are able to just be themselves and decompress about the struggles that they're facing and get advice from other people that um, if you make people constantly act like these emotions don't exist it could make them worse in the long term too
0: yeah that makes sense it's like the whole like idea of bottling up right like you're just bottling it all up you're like shoving it back down and eventually that's going to lead to something not so good um yeah so yeah I think it makes a lot of sense I mean I believe we've talked about this multiple times Maybe not multiple times. We talked about it on our podcast. I think we talked about somebody else's podcast once. Yeah. <laughs> um, about this idea, like in nursing, and being able to, you know, have like a little room where if something really awful happens, you can go and cry or be upset, and then like having everyone having awareness to go after that person, and you know, like having one or two people that can go in and like be supports and and being able to manage emotions out away from the patients, um, in a productive way. So I think that's. I mean, that's a great idea. I think yeah. more more companies should be doing stuff like that. Um, and it does make sense that it could impact employees in a positive way so that by the time you're, you know, getting near your retirement, you're not so burnt out because you've been in these types of jobs, um, which is no fun. Like, you don't want to be going into retirement just having to recover from your life.
1: That's right. not fun. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So they basically really come at it from the perspective of, you know, Look at the deleterious effects that these jobs have on people over time as they age when they have a lot of emotionally demanding work in their job. And it's really organizations' responsibility to our elderly population and their well being to figure out ways to make sure that these compounding effects don't happen over the course of the life cycle. So if you listen to this and you felt sad about the idea that, older people working in emotionally demanding jobs are getting less happy over the course of their life and lower in their job satisfaction there's something that you and your organizations can do about it
0: yes if you're a customer too why don't you just be nice to people how about that yeah It's also That's throw, a throw that good out idea there. too
1: <laughs> yeah don't be mean i hate yeah. people are being and like mean for no reason mm-hmm. it's just not it's not good
0: yeah. And uh, well, this is kind of a tangent, but not totally a tangent. Like the rise of the Karen video. Like, I hate the term Karen, so I'm not even going to go there. But yes. the, uh, those types of videos make me so upset. <laughs> I get I so know. upset. And I know. It, so, anyways, don't be, like, even though don't I hate like the that. term, don't be a Karen.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And also just, I mean, it's like, you know, so coming at things from your own perspective and having no awareness of someone else's perspective in the situation is basically what it is. It's like, yeah, like just bulldozing your way through life.
0: Yeah. ugh, Awful. So don't do that. I think that's another thing. Like if you aren't a leader in one of these organizations that can make a change, Like, do your part when you deal with somebody in a patient care setting. If you have to go to your doctor's office, don't get mad at the person sitting at the front desk because they're running late. You don't have to be mean to them. You don't have to be mean if, you know, Starbucks accidentally gave you soy milk instead of almond milk. Like, you can calmly tell the person and address it. There's, they'll fix it. You know, it's not like the end of the world. You don't have to be mean about it. So just being calm conscious of other people around you I think is very important it's nice to be nice exactly exactly well thank you for sharing this article with us it's interesting it's not as intuitive as it seems no but
1: uh I'm glad I'm not an emotionally demanding job and now I'm going to tell my students who are in companies that have these jobs that they need to do something about it because I don't want people to be sad
0: when they get older Me too. I agree. I think that's a good point. Um, Yes. So everyone else, take this too. Everyone take note. Be nice. Don't let this happen (laughs) anymore. We can make a difference.
1: (laughs) Only you can prevent forest fires.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Just throw out as
1: many PSAs as we can here.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But it's important. It's important to remember and to think about. Um, True. You know, hopefully, I mean... I would like to think that nobody that we listen to would be, nobody listened to that listened to us or yes. both um, would be doing anything mean in a customer service setting. But agreed, it's always important just to take a second and think about other people's perspectives and having research to show that it can have a specific impact on people. Um, yeah. Hopefully can remind everyone to behave kindly Absolutely. in these situations. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you again. And for all of our fabulous listeners that never, ever treat people poorly, we would <laughs> love to hear from you. And we would love to hear your thoughts, questions about this article or anything else. You can always find us um, at our website, workerbeing.com. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can also find us on social media at workerbeing on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, we'll have a link Um, in the show notes to our courses. We have a free course on managing stress. So if you're in one of these jobs and you need to manage your stress, probably a good place to go to learn how to do that. Um, And we have another course there as well if you'd like to check it out. So check out the show notes for that. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson.